Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast, a music industry podcast where everything is terrible and the house is on fire. I'm Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-host, Keith of Ghost Cult Mag. What's up? And our amazing guest, Andrew Bounsal. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Andrew, for those of us not in the know, you do a lot in the scene. Um, the last time I saw you was with Warbringer, right? Yeah, yeah, in um, New York, in Brooklyn, New York, I believe. I was um, tour managing and doing their merchandise, and that's where we got to talk the last time. I think. Yeah. So, so just break it down for me. Who are you? What do you do? What are we going to on this podcast? Yeah, uh, that's that's a good way to uh, start this, I believe, uh, to give everybody an intro. I That's mean, I like you said, I do I do a lot of lot of things under the metal assault umbrella, but basically, uh, it's kind of been a transition over over the last ten years. I, I started out purely as a, as a reviewer, as a blogger, and that's what metal assault was. It was purely a music blog, but I was very prolific with it. I did a lot of reviews and interviews and that kind of thing, and then eventually. You want, uh, you want to know what's crazy, Andrew, just real fast, because this makes me giggle? Um, I remember being in high school, sending promos for bands I was working with to you, like 10 oh, years wow. ago. Oh, <laughs> wow. So that just makes me giggle. <laughs> anyway, keep going. That's, that's small, yeah, it's a small world, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, so from, from doing the reviews and that kind of thing, I, obviously I developed a network of bands and then... A couple of bands I really became uh, closer with, and they decided to take me on tour. First was Night Demon from Ventura, California. The, I'm sure uh, they're pretty well known to most metal audiences by now. Back then, they were like very new and kind of unknown. But I was I was on their very fir- first few U.S. tours, and they were kind of really uh, at at that time trying to you know make it. And now they have. So that that was. That actually came at an interesting time for me because over here, I live in Los Angeles and as I'm sure most people are aware, it's kind of, you know, it's not easy to, to survive here even, you know, it's it's expensive city. So at the time I was kind of struggling with the whole, just, I was kind of almost having a, an exist, existential crisis. I was, you know, figuring out whether I could really do this anymore or not. But then that tour the tour thing came along and it kind of saved me because I needed to, I needed that to kind of, um, to get out and, you know, not worry about paying rent here to be, to be completely honest. So that took me out. And also I met a lot of new people on the tours and that kind of thing. So it, it developed into something else from that started going on more tours. I toured with uh, Huntress and I toured with Warbringer, like, like we talked earlier and Back here in LA, I needed something, something more to kind of establish more of a, a, a solid foundation for myself. So I started booking my own shows. So I became a promoter. And as of most recently, the last two years, last one and a half years, I've also been uh, running my own DIY record label under the Metal Assault name. So yeah, as it's, it's like a difficult uh, it's a, it's difficult to answer in short as to what I exactly do, but that's I get the shortest possible answer to it. <laughs> that's a now, lot, but it's interesting. But go ahead, Keith. Yeah, I was gonna say, nice man. And it seems like you, I, uh, obviously, to the outsider, and I, and again, I know Andrew for a long time. I think we even briefly both wrote at the same blog. We have a lot of mutuals. We met recently. 
uh, and maybe even once back in the day, uh, now that I think about it, when you were with Huntress on tour. But it's, it seems like from the outside that it's been a very gradual and natural transition. And personally, I really love following the label. Uh, I know the shows are like this, they sort of feed each other, but I love the idea of the label. And do you want to talk for a second about sort of the Metal Assault uh, cassette series and the recent uh, compilations? Yeah, definitely. That's, uh, that's uh, really a passion project of mine more than anything else because it, it kind of dates back to my childhood. I grew up in India and a lot of people here don't, like they have no idea when I tell them this and people are always fascinated when I, when I tell this, but the, this is like a true story. So back then in, in my childhood, which was early 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, they had over there they had these music stores uh, and you could go there and look at their library as to whatever they have new releases old releases classics whatever and you can give them a list of songs that you want and they would put it on a mixtape for you so that was like my collection in my childhood was just those mixtapes so i mean fast forward to about i guess you know uh the 20, 2010s i Kind of noticed that cassettes are still around. I mean, Amoeba Records in, in Hollywood is the biggest record store around here and probably in the U.S. They still have a cassette section and there's still ways to get cassette players. Some some old cars still have cassette decks and that kind of thing. You know, the whole the old Night Demon van had a cassette deck. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed that part that it's still around in, in some format. So when I have when I have my own label now, I immediately was thinking along those lines that what can I do with that cassette format and immediately the mixtape thing came back to my mind because of you know my like my early uh, years growing up with music so yeah it's gonna be it's very much going to be a regular series I'm gonna keep it going uh, at least once every six months if not more frequent so the volume one of the mixtape was out last August and that was only a hundred copies. Of course, all the all that comes with the digital download, as is pretty much a must these days with any with any analog formats, you know. Um, so volume one was hundred copies, and I did a release show, and it it sold out pretty much in one day. So then I immediately started working on volume two, which just came out last Friday, the thirty first of January, and it's the response to that has been even better than the first one i mean it's moving really well and it got picked up as the album of the week by uh, la weekly and it's getting a couple of uh, it also got a couple of other really good reviews and i have the big release show this saturday at the old town old town pub in pasadena which also features void vader which is i'm sure a band that you guys are familiar with and um basically like all the bands Five of the 11 bands that are on the mixtape are playing that show on Saturday. And like my idea with the release shows are kind of a little bit unique, I, I would say. I try to do like an early bird special to where I guess, um, well, for this one, I'm doing first 50. So first 50 people who pay the cover at the door, they get a free copy of the cassette. So it's kind of like padded into the, to the cover charge in a way. So that way, like, you know, most people get a cassette to take home. Like, it's kind of a souvenir from the show because all the bands that played on it are on the tape. And, of course, you don't really need a cassette player, per se, to play it because of the digital download. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically the gist of it. And 
volume two is expected to sell out after Saturday and I'm going to be already starting to work on volume three. So, you know, if, if there's any bands that are listening, um, that want to talk to me about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm all ears at this point because, uh, I think the next one will come out in the summer. So I'm going to obviously give it a lot of time and thought to come up with the, the lineup and the track listing and all that good stuff, you know? So yeah, that's pretty much uh, the gist of it. <laughs> How do you go about um, choosing which band? Cause obviously a lot of bands are submitting. How do you go about choosing which bands you're going to have on it? I think, uh, you know, that's a good question. I think I have a set of conditions, first of all, that I think we bo both parties should agree on as in, I want, brand new songs uh, because in this day and age uh, a mixtape or a compilation otherwise is, is kind of redundant you know because if there's music that's already been released that's already out there in the in the world especially online then uh people can already find it they, they don't have any need to get the mixtape after that you know so that's the first uh, first step like they should have i, I want bands that have uh either they're going to record a brand new song soon or they have something that they never released, like kind of like a cool, like a, even a B-side or, you know, like a rarity or that kind of like a hidden gem type thing. That's the first thing. And obviously uh, it's a mixtape. So I, I try to make it as, as diverse as possible in terms of covering various subgenres of hard rock and heavy metal. And I mean, at the bottom line, that's kind of been my, my mentality anyway, with anything that I've done with Metal Assault is to be very broad ranged and open-minded with, uh, with heavy music in general and not be kind of narrow to any specific style. So yeah, I mean, it, those, the combination of those two things, and then obviously a big focus for me is to, to promote the LA uh, scene, so to speak, the LA bands, very, it's very LA focused. And um, well, the other plus with that is it's easier to work with LA bands because uh, then it's easier also to have them play the release shows, which is a big uh, kind of a big kind of tie in with the whole with the whole release, you know. So yeah, those are the those are the criteria I would say in um, in a you know uh, in short. Those are some great criteria, and as Matt alluded to, you know, there's no shortage of great bands. I've been a huge fan of some of the bands you have turned me on to. Matt and I are obviously big Void Vader fans, but also, I mean, you know, Living Darkness, Old Blood. I learned so many L.A. bands just from checking out these tapes and following you on Bandcamp. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's the whole idea, like, to because these bands are most of these bands are so unknown to the to most of the music listener so that's the whole that's the whole concept and uh, obviously the band camp thing is a is a great resource and it's very important to tie that in with the with the mixtape so that anybody can listen to it no matter whether they're you know they're going to buy it or not that's uh, that's obviously it's a bonus if they do killer yeah so like okay so you're talking growing up in india how did you get interested in heavy music or did that not happen until you moved to LA? No, I, I did have a, have an interest and, in, um, and a liking to it before I moved to LA. So, I mean, in, in my early childhood, there was no hard rock or heavy metal for sure, because 
that's kind of, it wasn't in my family at all. And there was no internet, obviously. So there was really no resource for me to discover it. I mean, if there was, I'm sure I would have, I would have enjoyed the hell out of it even back then. But I think my first introduction to rock uh, was, I mean, <laughs> it, it wasn't really like heavy, but it was still like something, you know, it was, it was more like the classic Brian Adams stuff. That was like my first ever like rock music that I ever really listened to and started liking. And, and when I first got to my freshman year of college in India, that's when I really discovered heavy metal. I had a roommate who had this Iron Maiden cassette tape, The Dance of Death, which was the new release at the time. So that was my introduction to Iron Maiden and that's still my favorite band. So uh, from there, yeah, it's basically like, as they say, the, you know, the rest is history. I mean, I started discovering more and more bands and I actually saw Iron Maiden in concert in India in 2007 in Bangalore, which was just, I mean, it's still, it, to me, I've seen thousands of concerts at this point, but that will still remain as like the best one ever because it was the, the first show of that kind and it was Iron Maiden, which at the time I never even thought I would ever see. You know, I thought that was just like some kind of fantasy or just some, sure. you know, you know what I mean? Like if kids in India would never imagine that a band like that would play uh, in front of their eyes and, in, in, you know, in reality. So... And that was also the year I moved to the U.S., like late 2007. And um, yeah, it was it, it opened up a whole new world for me because oh, obviously in India, there was no such thing as like a concert scene or a club scene or anything like that. Iron Maiden was like the only, the first ever metal band from, from international waters that ever played there, uh, at least in metal. So here, when I, when I moved, it was like concerts every day, like every night, you know, like all these right. amazing bands playing shows uh, that are easily accessible to me. So it just started really catching on to me and eventually it kind of became my full-time thing. Like not, not even, it didn't even take that long for that transition sure. to happen. So yeah, that's how, uh, that's how like I kind of, uh, you know, transition into like a heavy, like a heavy metal uh, fanboy or whatever. <laughs> what do you think of the Indian metal scene today? Are you still are you still connected with it? I mean, I wouldn't say I'm very like too closely connected to it because it's kind of difficult when you're not actually there, you know. Sure. Uh, but there's definitely bands that have broken through. Um, one band that immediately I would I would kind of uh, mention, especially to a to a U.S. based audience or an international audience, is Cryptos. That's spelled uh, K-R-Y-P-T-O-S. They're actually signed to the German record label AFM. And they tour. They're pretty popular in Europe, especially. They've never toured the U.S., but they they are popular in Europe. They tour there every year. And they're also along the kind of the traditional heavy metal side, like that kind of denim and leather, old school, um, you know, uh, that kind of uh, style, uh, Iron Maiden uh, style, I guess. So they're, they're definitely one band that's, that's broken through. And in terms of the scene, yeah, there's, there's a good number of bands that play, but obviously they don't have as much of a, of a scope or, or, you know, like, a, like chances or opportunities to do what bands here have. So that's another, on that note, I would also kind of like to remind people that don't take it for granted, you know, what, what you have here because yeah over there like there's no there's no such scope like you don't really have venues 
that really could host you because a lot of times the police shut it down too. You know, they don't want any noise. It's like very, you know, you know what I mean? It's like things are very, very, uh, very conservative or very kind of strict in that sense. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure that's still the case. I don't think that'll ever like kind of completely go away. I mean, I'm sure it's better now than it was say 10 years ago, but yeah, basically, yeah, yes, there is a scene. It's very underground, uh, but obviously nothing compared to the US or Europe or any of the hotbeds of heavy metal, you know? Absolutely. There's definitely a lot of bands I've also discovered um, a couple of years back. Uh, I was lucky enough to become acquainted with a ton of either Indian or Nepalese metal bands when there was the big Nepal earthquake. So that's going back to 2015. And mm -hmm. Ghost Cold actually helped throw a bunch of charity events with both Indian American and Nepalese American metal bands. And there's a tremendous amount of death in black metal and trad metal like you were talking about crypto so yeah i'm i'm well acquainted and uh and then i just got to give a shout out just in general to uh bloodywood because they're making such a big dent um oh, yeah those guys are fun they're blowing up on like sirius xm and they're gonna play metal festivals this spring so i think yeah. they're a great like ambassador and doorway opener for that that region i'm super proud of those guys also yeah. transcending obscurity records shout out to okay. kunal yes word yeah, transcending, transcending obscurity is definitely, um, yeah, definitely a legit uh, name from that from that scene for sure. Yeah, and then they also have this. Uh, well, the the main festival in India, the Metal Fest, is Bangalore Open Air, which yeah. is now like a, it's an annual thing, and it's it's getting bigger and bigger. I think last year, Abat headlined it, and in the past, Creator have played it, and pretty much like legit, you know, heavy metal big names have played it. So. It's, uh, it's definitely like, that's definitely a staple for sure over there. hundred um, percent. Point being, what do you view as the next steps for Metal Assault? Well, I think I, I, at this point, like the label uh, and the concert promotion, those are like my two main activities, so to speak. So uh, with the label right now, everything, everything is DIY. I mean, I do my own, um, like my own PR, my own marketing, like my own, my own distro and everything. So I just want at this point, like every release to fund the next release, like that's the goal. And eventually to, to have it be a self-sustaining business by itself. So yeah, more focus on the record label for sure down the line. And um, one of my other ultimate goals is to, is to have my own, my own my own concert venue that, that I would own and, and run because, uh, I work with a lot of different ones, obviously as a promoter, but like, you know, I mean, I kind of, I've seen what, what they do and what, how things can be done and that kind of thing. So I want to do it my own way someday, you know, when I, if I can, if I can pull that off. So those are my ultimate Ultimate goals, I would say, but yeah, in the meantime, yeah, just, you know, doing my thing here, just promoting good music. That's, that's the basic uh, idea. You know. Absolutely. Keith, I know you had a question. Uh, I do. Uh, so let's just say I'm a band in the uh, California area region or surrounding, uh, and I want to work with you. How do I pitch you? What's the best way for an independent band to pitch you to be on a metal assault cop in the future? on the comp um or anything yeah, with think, your label yeah yeah i think it's that's a, that's also a, a very good question and i think i was i was even trying to think about ways of putting this out there as like free music business tips or something like that 
that communication is very important. Bands need to really think before they hit that send button. A lot of, I get a lot of very badly written messages and emails <laughs> and a lot of them, they don't even mention the name of their band. I mean, I'm not even joking and I'll leave alone, including a link for that I can listen to. So I think it's very important, like the first, that first email or the first message, should, unless I already know those people personally or whatever, then it's obviously that's different. But if I don't, then it should be, it should be professional. I think like they should, they should put the point across in a concise way. And uh, obviously like, you know, having good music is the first step. I mean, without that, like I'm not interested, obviously, you know, that's, that's a given, but yeah, I think, uh, a band that can that can communicate their point well is is a good first impression to me. Um, I mean, as a writer myself, I've written thousands of reviews and and um, that kind of thing like over the years with uh, on, on metal so so it's that's that's an important thing for me. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I exchange emails. I've exchanged emails with PR with publicists uh, um, so many times. So I can I kind of have a fairly good idea of like what's a good pitch, you know that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think um, that is important, and then, and then, uh, in 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 a practical sense, I I really need bands that are willing to hustle, that are willing to get out there. You know, they I don't I don't need bands that are just going to sit around and they're like, oh, now we have a label, so we don't have to do anything. Like that's I think it doesn't maybe maybe that worked in in another era or when. There were more, obviously, when when record sales were more prominent or when the business was kind of more lucrative. But it doesn't work like that anymore. I think it needs to be a team effort from all from all sides. Yes, the label will do its job, but the band also needs to pull its weight too. You know, so I would. That's what I would say, like essentially, to answer your question. Word, and if I can follow that up with another one, if you permit me, uh, I think it's very interesting to have you on with us because Matt and I are both guys who started in the journal world and crossed into other things, Matt with labels, myself with marketing. And so what advice would you give for anyone listening who is a would-be Andrew who is, would like to either break into journalism and then eventually someday own their own DIY label? What it, Do you think that's helped you being in journalism? Do you think it's what, would you advise that to others? What do you think? Yeah, that's that's another really good question. I think uh, thinking back on this, on my journey, I often kind of, this is what I come up with and it could probably answer your question too, is as a journalist, I was always very honest with my reviews. Um, I didn't kind of, I never gave a positive review to anybody that I didn't like. So... I was never one of those guys that kind of was a kiss ass, you know, you know what I mean? So I think the fact that I was always honest and real with, with anything that I was, I was endorsing or promoting in terms of music that I liked, I think that has definitely, uh, it, it, it's, it's a big help in what I'm doing now as a promoter and as a record label owner, because people who have been following me for that time, they can, they know, like they can trust that, okay, if I'm putting a band on a show or on a release, then that's probably something worth checking out because I'm not like, you know, I'm not doing it for the sake of doing anything. It's, it's because I, I think the music is genuinely good. And if, if people who have followed me as a journalist, if they agreed with what I said was good, then they would probably agree with me now too. You know? So I think 
for anybody who's crazy enough to try to follow my journey and try to re replicate it in any way, I, that's what I would say. Like just from day one, I think always be true and honest. And I think that will eventually pay off when, when it's time for you to sell your own product, you know? Killer, dude. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope that was a, a satisfactory answer. <laughs> Fantastic, actually, Nikki. Yeah. I, I feel this. I think Matt and I, we all have the same ethos about what we do also, man. It's all about the community above anything else. And I was actually, we were peers, but I was always a fan of your uh, blogs and your reviews. And I agree, you were a hundred, you were brutally honest, probably to, you know, not a fault because we're supposed to be, but like definitely, was there any... Uh, infamous pushbacks on reviews you wrote uh that you can talk about oh uh, labels or bands yeah 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 i'm glad you brought that up i mean that's always a good one to throw in an interview like this you know something uh something on the people will find hilarious i'm sure <laughs> i mean i have actually i have actually I, I don't know if i still am or not i probably am but i was i was banned from the whiskey and the rainbow for, for just for an article that i wrote <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, and that ban actually has been going on since 2016. But there was an exception recently because I was on the Warbringer tour. And well, guess what? Their LA show was at the Whiskey. So I actually emailed the owners and everything saying that, hey, I'm actually the tour manager. I'm running their merchandise table. They really need me there. So is there any way you can make an exception? And they said, okay, cool. I guess maybe part of the reason was that they're on really good terms with Warbringer. So, <laughs> they, so they let me in and it, everything was fine. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to go into the details of that article or whatever. I'm sure people can find it. But it was, yeah, I mean, I, I don't regret it. But like, um, I guess I have to be, I, I don't know, more PC nowadays, I guess, you know, with, <laughs> with uh, what I do. I can't really be that brutally honest anymore um, because uh, times have changed too. Like people get, people take things too personally now, get too offended, even though I've, I've never like attacked anybody personally. It's never been that way at all, you know? Um, but yeah, there's, there's been a couple of pushbacks here and there, but eventually people, people get over it. I mean, it's, it's because I'm still around and I'm doing this for the right reasons. Like I'm, I, this is my life. I mean, I'm, I'm supporting music 24 seven and this is why I live it. So I think, um, I think I have the right to, to express my opinion, you know, but like that's, I mean, that kind of thing where I used to write something negative that, I mean, that's kind of a thing of the past too now. Like if, if you ask me, because uh, I mean, these days I don't really write a lot of reviews anyway. I'm more busy with the, the, the stuff like the promotion and the, the label because it that stuff takes up a lot of my time so yeah i mean yeah yeah there was a couple of pushbacks but yeah um, and i don't know maybe i maybe i'm okay to go into the whiskey but uh, i i <laughs> i haven't really tried aside from that warbringer thing i mean I try, you know uh i'm still being careful about that i don't i don't want to want any dramas there no. <laughs> right on maybe matt and i can put in a good word for you we just interviewed uh nikki marie who books the whiskey so maybe we can help yeah, I think, no, I think no. things are okay. Things are better now, probably, because even a couple of their bookers added me on Facebook, and I was, like, kind of shocked. Oh. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure anybody that has had a beef with me or any of the publications I've ever written for, they're not yeah. friend of me on fucking Facebook. But that's awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and just to finish on that, well, it was one article, and 
what people forget is that I've actually reviewed literally hundreds of shows of the whiskey before that. And right. they were always like positive and supportive. So, I mean, I think like 500 to one ratio is not as bad as, you know, like to, uh, to, to, for, for anybody to assume that, that have anything against them. It's definitely not bad at all. It was just one thing out of hundreds that, you know, like that were positive. So, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they've realized that too now and I'm glad it's, it's better. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Matt, do you have uh, any follow-up on that or any uh, further thoughts for Andrew? Yeah. So in LA, obviously it's a very kind of corporate scene in a lot of ways. How do you, how do you balance sort of, and you kind of, if you're someone doing stuff in LA, you kind of have to dance around that. How do you balance the more corporate side of the LA scene with, um, you know, with kind of DIY culture? Uh, as in, like, could you elaborate on, like, what, what you were re- referring to in terms of the corporate scene? Well, like, like, like the Whiskey A Go-Go is a pretty corporate venue in terms of ownership and stuff. Um, you know, or you could look at... Um, or you're talking you know, about Live Nation and that... Yeah, all, yeah, exactly. It's a hub for all those things. Yeah, I mean, at, at, at least at this point, at, in terms of, like, my the shows that I book or anything that I do... I'm, I don't really work with like the corporate level of things because I mean, yeah, obviously those are uh, a lot, lot beyond my scope at this point in terms of, I mean, I can't really drop 10 grand to book like, you know, like a live nation venue or anything like that. And I think, um, I guess as a promoter, somebody would, would probably, probably aim to, to keep growing bigger and bigger in terms of booking bigger and bigger venues. I mean, yes, I would like that to happen, but not at the cost of kind of compromising what I do. I think I'm, I'm definitely like more like bottom line is I want to promote good music. And if it's underground, then, then, that, then so be it. You know, then I'll still work the underground venues. But of course, I mean, I have, I have good relations with all those corporate entities that you mentioned. I do a lot of ticket giveaways that are tied in directly with, uh, with Live Nation or Golden Voice because they have a, they have a lot of these venues that do heavy metal that host the big shows, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, which ones like, you know, whatever decibel tour or things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, I kind of have my foot, um, a, a foot in each, each of those world, uh, both of those worlds uh, to be, to be completely honest, because also over the years I've worked as a journalist. So I used to frequent all those venues and, they are they are very much familiar with with my brand and everything. So yeah, I think uh, it's a bit of both. But in terms of purely as a label and promote promoter, I'm not I'm not touching that side of it yet. Or I don't know if that will ever happen or not. It just depends on how how the business um, develops over the over the next few years, I guess. Awesome. Yeah. Good question, Matt. Wow. You know. <laughs> What, and so yeah, so kind of my follow-up to that, I guess, is what attracts you to the LA scene and why not move somewhere else? I've actually never, I've never lived anywhere other than LA, like in the US. Um, but also I've, I've traveled the country though many times on tour and yeah, I think there's, there's a good scene in a lot of other places, but I guess I just, I mean, I've, I've always lived in LA, so I've never really thought of moving i like everything here the way it is like you know i mean obviously um like there's a lot of 
there's a lot of venues to work with. I mean, yeah, venues shut down sometimes, but new ones always pop up. There's a lot of local bands, underground bands that people don't really are not even aware of. Like I even last night I did a show. I did do this weekly Wednesday thing in a, in, at a sports bar in downtown LA. And I always end like almost every week I end up working with new bands. So there's, I mean, I'm not sure if, if that's more than what the other cities or other places in the U.S. have, but it's definitely a lot, um, and it's a lot of, for me, it's, it, there's a lot of scope to do what I do here, and obviously the weather helps and everything along, you know, in that sense. So, yeah, I mean, it's just where I've lived for, for the last, for the best part of 12 years now, I've lived in L.A., so... Um, yeah, I don't, I haven't thought of moving, honestly. I don't know, like, what, what would you suggest? Like, what do you think and what's your, uh, I'm sure you've, you're well-traveled. What is your take on this? Um, I think it's tricky figuring out what the best metal scene is. I think there's, on the one hand, there's cities like LA that have a lot of um, upside, like you outlined. Yeah. However, they're expensive. And in LA in particular, they're hard to get around, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Indianapolis because it's really cheap there and has a good scene. Um, but, you know, I think it depends on specifically what you want out of a scene. Yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's good scenes in a lot of, lot of places. I think there's, uh, there's always uh, scope anywhere, really. Um, well, not anywhere, but in a lot of places, I would say. Do you have any final uh, words of wisdom as we run out of time here? Like, where do you what do you want someone to take out of a metal assault comp? What do you want people to get out of it? I just want people to discover new bands. That's the basic, that's the basis of everything I do from, from concert promotions to record label to even for the most part, the journalism thing. Uh, that's, that's, that's it. I think um, people should try to give new bands a fair chance instead of just sticking to the same old bands. I mean, yeah, they're classics and I respect that, but I think it's, it's time for people to kind of expand their, the musical library, music library, so to speak. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Getting people to expand their music library. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. This has been Dumb and Dumbest. You have been listening. Are we done yet? Everything is terrible.